With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Uh, hello, everybody out there. It's Nick Knack News, episode two. I'm your host, Nick Durst. My co-host this evening is J.C. Brown. J.C., how you doing? Hey, Nick. Thanks for having me on. And uh, so do that follow us on social media. JT is at SN Sports. I'm at Nick underscore Durst. Uh, busy night for us tonight. We're doing this recording on Wednesday night. Uh, right now it's 9 o'clock, and we just did another show at 8 o'clock for another website. Uh, so if you're listening live right now, we thank you for that. If you want to give us a call, give us your opinion on anything we talk about tonight, or just ask us anything, dial in at one seven two four. Four 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 seven four four four. Then enter the call ID one four zero six one eight, followed by the pound key. Uh, John, we got some big news for the uh, listeners out there, and for those of you listening on the podcast, we thank you for that as well. Uh, tomorrow night, Thursday night, we have a huge guest on the show. Big Mongo, the youngest Mongo. It's Mikey New Haven. He calls in Mike Francesa, posts his videos himself uh, on his YouTube page, Mikey New Haven. He's coming on the show tomorrow. So if you do have any questions that you want us to ask him, feel free to call in or tweet us at Nick underscore Dirk and SI underscore Sports. So, John, are you looking forward to that interview tomorrow? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. So um, as far as Mongo Nation goes, the only people I've really spoken to, uh, well, you know, obviously John Schemsky went to high school with him. I guess he's sort of a Mongo Nation representative. But um, Leslie's really the only other uh, Mongo that I've ever really communicated with. Ooh, I guess, um, what's that guy's name? Our House? Our House, well, he posts the videos, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, him too. But, for, you know, for the most part, Mongo Nation is really just, uh, I get most of my... Mongo Nation fun from the actual Mike Francesa show where <laughs> they call up to get yelled at by him. Well, that's exactly what Mike in New Haven does. So we're going to have some great discussion with him tomorrow. Uh, and as John alluded to, Mongo Nation. So later on tonight, he's going to give you guys his Mongo of the week. Well, let's go through the rundown here tonight of what we want to be talking about. Of course, we're going to be talking about Super Tuesday. So we'll quickly go over the Oscars. Talk about Fuller House hitting Netflix, as well as some spring training talk. And the Mets, that is the New York Knicks, maybe some other basketball on there, the Golden State Warriors. So, it's really going to be a great show tonight. And once again, uh, if you're listening live, we thank you for that. You want to call in 1724 to the call ID, which is 140618, followed by the pound key. And if you're listening to the podcast right now, we thank you for that as well. Uh, so, JC recently launched a new company. Why don't you give our listeners a little bit of a background on that? On what now? On your, your, new, your new marketing company. Oh, the new company, the new company. Oh, yeah. So, um, me and my buddy Brian, uh, we decided to start our own marketing company. So, a little background. Um, I'm a digital marketing manager. I work in uh, higher education student um, acquisition. But essentially what I do is I manage... Um, paid social, uh, Google AdWords, any type of like paid analytical uh, customer acquisition. And my buddy Brian is in business development. So I do a lot of freelance work, or I used to before, you know, my recent promotion. Um, and my freelance work would be a small business, say, I don't know, a nightclub or a bar. They need a website built and they need social media and, you know, they, they don't really know how to link stuff. So what I would do is, I'd create them a website and I'd SEO it so that it'd come up for Google. And, you know, if they had a little little bit of money to spend on some search, we'd do some search advertisements that are geolocated and, you know, persona targeted. Anyway, I had like five or six clients. Um, and then, you know, it's kind of hard to do it as a freelancer. So me and him were talking about it. He has some connections uh, as well. So we decided to start our own little company. 
um, he actually had his own company called Brycells. His name is Brian. Um, so we kind of spun that off of, and that's like a, there's a real long name, but it's, it's really BMM solutions. It, BMM stands for Brycells Mitosis Marketing, but um, BMM is sort of like the acronym that we're going with. And I uh, check out that website. It's a great website, www.brycellsmarketing.com. And, of course, on Facebook at BMM Solutions, Brycells Mitosis Marketing Solutions. There's some great, crazy stuff on there. And uh, you guys even have a – you even made a T-shirt. So if you're looking for that, yeah. eventually you can use the promo code something to check that out and buy it. Uh, but let's get right into it here. Super Tuesday yesterday, Trump – Killed it. Now, how much do you think that has to do with the ringing endorsement of Al Sharpton saying, if Donald Trump is president, I'm leaving the country? Yeah, so if, if anyone actually does follow BMM on either Twitter or Facebook, um, I, I've been sharing and posting. And the reason is I'm sick and tired of the fact that if you have a political opinion that's not – you know, super far left, you have to hide it. It's bullshit. And I think Donald Trump's really thinking that is, listen, Al Sharpton is, he's a dummy. He's just been, you know, he doesn't pay his taxes. He's a criminal. He's a race baiter. He starts shit. That's all he does. He's basically an ambulance chaser, except instead of ambulances, he's chasing race. So the idea that he'd leave, see ya. There's been a, a, a couple celebrities, quote unquote, who've, who've said this. The, more, the most recent one is Miley Cyrus. See ya. Listen, fucking Hannah Montana. No one's no one's gonna cry a river if your weird fucking ass leaves. You know, yeah, I'm sure. Whoopi Goldberg. I mean, these, these crazy people, for the most part, are saying, "Oh, Trump wins. I'm leaving the country." Well, most well, a lot of these people, but America doesn't like. So it's even more of an incentive to vote for Donald Trump. Um, what I find like hilarious about this whole thing is just like. The nonsense. Like, all right, all right, Al Sharpton, give me like a legitimate reason why you hate Donald Trump. And, and and I think honestly, like deep down, he doesn't even give a shit. He's just saying what he thinks his base wants to hear to help, you know, because it's a political thing. And even though he's not elected, it's still like a political thing for him. So, you know, there's actually, if you Google it, there's pictures of him, Donald Trump, like shaking hands and whatnot. Donald Trump's given a lot of money to his charities. But and now that it's the cool thing is to not like Trump. Right? But listen, Trump is a genius. The guy, he's getting free media from the left and the right. They're hanging on every word he says. You know, the, if you look at how much every campaign spent, he spent the least. But you hear about him every single day. It's, he's great at manipulating the media. He just says things. Like the, the way that the guy is... He's re he's reframed every insult that ever came at him and spun it into something good. It's insane. The guy's a master. You know at Trump University, he should teach a class called reframing insults because he's got insults that in he changes the insult into you talking about a success of his. It's uh, it's really astounding. And the fact that you know these celebrities are talking about it, he loves that. Now we're talking about him. That's it. And. If anyone doesn't know this by now, you can't stump Trump. You, you can't stump him. Things, can't throw these things at him. He's got a rebuttal for everything. And many times in politics, it just comes down to who is the best speaker. And if you could speak poetically or very clearly, get your points across, oftentimes you do end up winning. Um, on the other hand, though, uh, Hillary Clinton has – uh, she, she's been winning, too, over Bernie Sanders. Uh, she isn't always that clear, but uh, Democrats like her. Uh, it's, just, it's pretty crazy how there aren't even that many Democrats running. It's just Clinton and Sanders. I think Martin O'Malley dropped out because he was polling at 0%, uh, even though he seems to me like a better option. What yeah, I actually kind of like him. Me too. But what is your take on just the fact, the fact that the Democrats really don't have many candidates other, and they're just very strong set of the fact that we want Hillary Clinton and that it looks like it's going to be Hillary Clinton. Who do you, who do you see that she would be her running mate? I would love it if she ran with Bill de Blasio somehow. <laughs> I know. Bill de Blasio, um, even though the – 
the piece of shit that he is, he's actually he's not well known enough outside of uh, the tri-state area. She's going to take someone from the you know establishment. Um, I would say probably, hmm, you know, someone like you know Joe. Obviously not Joe Biden, but you know how Obama picked Joe Biden. He's this lifelong senator. He's really big in the establishment. Uh, the difference is. You know, I think deep down people like, you know, we could talk, we could talk these issues until our heads spin, but deep down, like people are, we're drawn to certain people as leaders and it's, it's still like that, like primitive nature of us, the alpha male, you know, and if you're charismatic and likable, people are drawn to you. So, you know, for example, I don't like Obama particularly, um, you know, I don't like his policies, but the, but you can't argue that the guy is not charismatic, and you can't argue that he's not likable. He's very likable. He's funny. He's relatable. He's playing basketball. He jokes around. He's on SNL. Like, this is, the guy is very likable. He's very electable. The same thing with uh, Bill Clinton. You know, Bill Clinton did a lot of things I didn't like, politician-wise, but I understand why he was elected. He's charismatic. He takes over a room. He's, you know, larger than life. Hillary's not like that. Hillary is like a stick in the mud. She's unrelatable. She's like the Hill, Hillary robot. Just, like she just panders to whatever the room says. And if someone you know, throws her off course, she just you know, completely stumbles. She's not likable. Like Bill's like, ah, oh, he's playing the saxophone. Ah, oh, he's pinching girls' asses. Ha, 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 ha. You know, even though that some of that behavior is reprehensible, he's likable. Even George W. Bush, people hate George W. Bush. Uh, the guy's likable. He's throwing out first pitches. He owns a baseball team. Oh, shucks. I used to have a problem with cocaine. Like, you know, like there's the stuff about him that makes him human and makes him relatable and, you know, is charismatic. You know, Trump, Donald Trump absolutely has that. Donald Trump is extremely likable. And, you know, I think right. I part mean, of your... Donald, Trump, Donald Trump's a rock star. That's the rock star appeal. Um, and as far as his running mates are gonna, is concerned, you know, I think it's coming down to two people. It's going to be either Chris Christie, who gave him a ring endorsement, basically laying it out there saying the main objective here is to make sure Hillary Clinton is not president and Donald Trump can make that happen. It's either going to be him, and that'd be, that's amazing. That's a dream come true for me because those are my top two favorite guys on the Republican side, two guys that speak their mind, don't give a shit, I'm going to tell you how it is, and they're going to make America great again. Or it's going to be probably John Kasich to get the Ohio vote. What do you think about that? Um, so I've actually been doing a lot of research. Um, and as far as him picking statements, I would say that uh, Chris Christie probably is not going to be, only because he polls really bad outside of the Northeast. So, and word on the grapevine is that they're gearing him up to become attorney general, which actually works out perfectly, because that's something he's really suited for. You know, him being, he's a really great attorney, and he's a really right, great right. lawbringer. Um, John Kasich, I really like. I think he's a really, you know, he's a good politician. He's yeah, really good in economics. He's been, he's been staying along because, like, it's probably, like, a sworn down conclusion. He just knows that no matter who it is, he's probably going to be the vice president. Well, yeah, the guys, he has a really good track record. Um, his economic growth is very good. He's not the most charismatic guy. But he's relatable, you know, he's sort of like a broken record a little bit. He says the same thing a lot of the times. So, you know, he's not going to take over the room the way Trump is, but he's established and he doesn't have any skeletons in his closet. You know, mm-hmm. he's, he's very much the Republican Joe Biden. You know, he's been in, he's been in uh, politics, he's been in the party, you know, it's sort of like that. There's actually, um, I thought that he might actually end up taking the, that, uh, the female governor of South Carolina, but recently she's come out and like bashed the shit out of Trump. So I guess she's kind of out. Nikki, whatever her name is. And then I also I'm also reading that, uh, and you know this makes sense pretty much because he's a really brilliant surgeon. Uh, ben Carson might become the Surgeon General if uh, whoever the Republican Party. Yeah. Um, is. So he he actually recently I think he suspended his campaign today. If you know. Unless that was a Ted Cruz fucking ploy, um, but I think he opened a lot of eyes. He's sort of what we need right now, you know. And I really like Ben Carson. Um, he did say some crazy stuff about the fucking uh, about the pyramids and about uh, <laughs> um, the Bible and stuff. So he's a little crazy. But I, what I think pol- what politics needs, and never mind politics, what I think leadership needs. 
we need smart, successful people, people who are smart and who are driven and not people who are just good deal makers. And like the idea behind Ted Cruz and all this other nonsense, like uh, you're shutting down the government. Oh, but we stopped Obama from doing X, Y, and Z. Who gives a fuck? Why are you shutting down the government, man? Government workers need to get paid. Like they have families. They got to feed their kids. Mm-hmm. Who gives a fuck about who gives a fuck about whatever the hell you're trying to stop? So, you know, I think that the political game, you know, and I, I, this is going to sound crazy, so stay with me for a sec. Donald Trump, with all his, you know, you fired nonsense, he actually does bridge the gap between Democrat and Republican quite well. Yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's more in the middle than he is really as a Republican. Uh, so just transitioning here, we do have a caller on the line, so let me put him through. Caller calling from New York City, New York. Uh, caller, what's your name? Where are you calling from? This is Brad Ballin, Brad Popkin. Uh, Brad, welcome, welcome back to the show, Brad. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, Brad has joined our website, nicknacknews.wordpress.com. He's going to be doing some writing uh, in regards to basketball and MMA. Is that correct, Brad? Yes, uh, reviewing everything basketball. All right, and then, uh, you know, Brad, before we get to whatever you want to talk about, uh, just to give everybody out there an idea about, you know, who Brad is. Yeah, he got loves basketball, he loves MMA, he loves rap music, but he, what he really loves is Chinese food, and oftentimes I see him going in, in, in and out of Peking Paint. So I'm just wondering, uh, what is it, what's your go-to order when you go get some Chinese food? Well, it's funny you should say that, yes. So Peking Taste, uh, great, great Chinese restaurant, my go-to spot. It would have to be, um, since I'm trying to eat healthier, admittedly, steamed chicken and broccoli. Definitely the dish that I have to have. Chicken and broccoli. You know, I, I kind of thought you were a chicken and broccoli guy. Uh, you know, see, what, what's your go-to meal uh, at a Chinese restaurant? Um, I think I'm a... Hmm. General chalice, but sometimes pork fried dumplings, depending how I'm feeling. Ah, uh, can't go wrong with that. Uh, I like uh, chicken cashews, chicken broccoli. So what's really good uh, is grandma shrimp. I don't know if you guys ever had that. It's like a big-ass fried shrimp, and it's just delicious with the sauce they put in it. And uh, as far as soups go, I usually get the wonton egg drop mix. Can't go wrong with that. Uh, so, uh, Brad, welcome to the show. Uh, what would you like to talk about tonight? Well, I've got my list of power players in the NBA so far this week. Guys that have stepped up for their team and taken the reins, just completely turned in outstanding performances. I'd like to go over that in addition to handing out, uh, you know, a performance of the, the week that is the worst. And it may surprise you, or maybe. All right, so we got to have, uh, let's, let's start off. Let's hear Brad's Ballers of the Week. <laughs> Take it away. So, my first Baller of the Week, and I should mention beforehand that based, like, my criteria for this was, was, um, was, was winners. So, most of these basketball players have won, um, turned in great performances. So, we'll start off Damian Lillard. I'd say he's one of the more underrated point guards in the league, doesn't get enough recognition, but you kind of see that from guys who play in Toronto or in Portland, just, you know, places that are, you know, far off, you know, in, you know, in the States. But Damian Lillard, 30 points, six assists, four rebounds against the Pacers. That's against a quality opponent. He did that on Sunday, I believe, and then he just torches the Knicks. Great three-point shooter as well, 33, two assists, uh, five rebounds, and a block. All right? Outstanding. Then we're going to move All on right. to another. Can't disagree with Damian Lillard. Uh, besides the Warriors, I, I believe the Trailblazers have the best record uh, since January 1st in the NBA. Yeah. I mean, they're completely exceeding all expectations here. We've got a veteran coach, Terry Stotts. He's coached a bunch of places in the NBA, and he's got them firing on all cylinders. In the, he's lost uh, Nicholas Batum and LaMarcus Aldridge, 
And so it kind of shifts the team dynamic towards more guard play. You have Damian Lillard, and then you've also got uh, the leading candidate for the sixth man of the year, which is uh, C.J. McCollum. Thanks, C.J., for being on my fantasy team. So, <laughs> yeah, Toronto also robbed the Knicks. Don't forget that. They're about to get a, a lottery pick out of the season. Oh, man, yes. Uh, the Knicks are a complete disaster. Yeah, it's a good thing he's got into right by Yarny for two, for two first-round picks. Oh, what a trade. <laughs> yeah, thankfully, uh, we, we, we can kiss uh, Grunwald goodbye. He's long gone. And then, uh, I wanna, I'm going to let you continue your list, Brian, but what is up with Kurt Rambis and Phil Jackson? You know, let's sign Jimmy Fredette to a 10-day contract. Let's get blown out in every game he plays, and let's play him for a total of, like, four minutes. Why didn't you play the guy? He could score. It just doesn't make any sense. And they did the same thing two weeks ago when I called up the Greek freak's brother, Denisis. He played zero minutes in two days, and in ten days. I, I don't know. I don't get it. The, the team sucks. Play young guys. I have... I have faith in Kurt. Um, don't think that he's going to be there next season. Obviously, they're going to have to expand their coaching search. But, you know, it's tough when you just got so many different mediocre players and you don't know uh, which ones to play. But with that being said, everybody needs a quality shooter, even dating back to, like, the, the Steve Novak days, like, three or four years ago on the Knicks. Uh, Novak, one of my favorite Knicks of all time. I had to shout him out. Favorite. I knew that. <laughs> Had to give him some airtime. I, I bought his jersey. <laughs> and you did the discount <laughs> double check, was, too, I'm sure. Of course. And then he was traded, like, the next day. Uh, <laughs> and, and it was just, like, oh, just terrible. So yeah. uh, continue with your list, Brad, if you, if, you, if you want. So just moving on, we've got some good mixtures, some guards, some forwards, even a big man siding, John Wall. Lit up Cleveland on Sunday, 21 points, 13 assists, I believe, and seven rebounds, close to a triple-double. Then turns in another great performance against Philly uh, with 37 points and seven assists. So, needless to say, John Wall's having a career year. I'm not sure where Washington goes. Perhaps they maybe knock off uh, uh, somebody in the, the entry round, I believe the semifinals, if you would. And maybe, maybe they get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Maybe they're this year's Atlanta Hawks. I don't know. But I mean, I personally hate the Wizards. I, I just really dislike John Wall. Uh, yeah. Sunday, if I'm not mistaken, did LeBron James sit out in that game? Against I think Wizards? one of them, yeah, he did sit out, and then he returned. I think they did a, I think they did a home-and-home, home, perhaps. No, no, no. That okay. was different. That was a different series. But no, he did sit out. I'm pretty sure. Well, my take on John Wall is he's very fast. Uh, so you know that and that able him to get steals and assists. But from what I've seen of him, and I, I, I'm not watching Wizard games on a daily basis, it doesn't seem like he's a good shooter. But if he if he was a better shooter, I think he'd be a lot better player. I don't think he's approaching much higher than I would be surprised, like 37%. But it has gotten better, and uh, he's obviously been an all-star for the past couple of years. So, I mean, you can't deny the results. He's got to take his team to the next level, though, if he wants to prove himself, uh, you know, in the top five, perhaps, of point guards in the NBA. Well, point guard is just a stacked position right now in the NBA, and there's just a lot of great stars. Uh, and then, did, did you guys hear this? Uh, you know, Kyrie Irving is not happy with the Cavaliers because he's not the number one scoring option. Well, you shouldn't be because LeBron James is on your team. So, I don't, I don't know why. What are you complaining about? Would you rather be playing for the, a terrible team and not make the playoffs? Because that's exactly what was happening before LeBron James came back to Cleveland. That's, that's mind-boggling. That's just mind-boggling. I mean... Kyrie Irving came. Uh, Kyrie Irving was there. He was sort of the focal point for for LeBron joining him. Um, kind of like would extend his, I guess, career if you would, by playing with such a young talent, former number one pick. And from the looks of it, they could have been on the verge of, uh, you know, uh, upstaging Golden State in the finals last year before uh, before Kyrie got hurt. He had an outstanding uh, game one. Well, even. If- Without Kyrie, like if I think if I think if, I think if Kevin Love plays, the series could have been a lot a lot different. 
Kevin Love, I think, is more important to the Cavaliers than Kyrie Irving. Yeah. All right, so uh, can, uh, continue, continue with your list, Scott. Okay, we've just got a few more names left. Uh, the Greek Freak's brother, I'm not going to attempt to pronounce his last name, Giannis, on Milwaukee, I mean. <laughs> there you go, Nick. Great. Triple-double uh, against Houston. Uh, I think they won by eight points. That was probably on Sunday. Outstanding line, 18, 16, and 11. Then you got Hassan Whiteside doing work. Center for the Miami Heat. Absolute block machine. Torch in the Knicks, 16 and 11. Then Chicago, 26 and 14 so far this week. Those are quality games. And then we've also got D'Angelo Russell. Uh, I believe he was the number two pick, correct me if I'm wrong, but 39 points, eight three-pointers against the Brooklyn Nets, albeit against the second-worst team in the Eastern Conference. But come on, you got to hand it to him. He's turning it up. I believe he has 22 points. Uh, or at least over 20 points in his last two games before this 39-point outburst. So he's starting to come along, prove his worth. Still kind of a backcourt committee there with him and Clarkson. But, you know, it's a good sign to see for the Lakers, who are, you know, admittedly, you know, one of the worst teams. In I mean, I, I, just, I wish the Lakers nothing but the worst of luck for the next, you know, 50 years. I can't stand the Lakers. And that's probably because I hated Shaq. I really hate Kobe Bryant. And Kobe Bryant should realize that the team stopped the last, like, four years because of him, because of his salary and his ball hogginess. And no one, no one wants to play with him. That's why they couldn't get a key free agent the last few years, because no one wants to play with a ball hog like him who only shoots the ball and won't pass. I don't know if you guys know this, but he is the all-time leader in missed shots. Oh, nice. Yeah. I, I don't know if you know this. He's also very pushy if he wants to have sex with you and you say no. Oh, <laughs> Well, that is all I had for Brad's Ballers of the Week, the stars this week who chipped in outstanding performances. As far as one of the worst performances, well, maybe I could just go with the New York Knicks overall, if we could continue our hate machine on them. I mean, did anyone see Carmelo get stuffed by the rim on a dead ball? Did anyone see that? <laughs> yeah, I, that was right before he uh, yelled at a fan to go get their money back and to blame Dolan, not himself. But, but didn't well, I didn't watch the game? The Knicks are unwatchable. But didn't that happen like after the restaurant whistle that he was like pulling up, and that's why he was stuffed? Because I thought that happened like not during the a play. Am I wrong no. about that? It it, def- it happens on a dead ball, and he just goes up. And Carmelo's not known as a high flyer. He's a scorer. Gets denied by the rim. Falls flat in his ass. I mean, that could be not more telling of the New York Knicks season. Just completely uh, a crapshoot. And we knew that going in, you know? You know, Carmelo Anthony is by far, like, the epitome of what's wrong with the NBA. The guy oh, has my goodness. Brad, you set up, you set up JT. I I hate Carmelo because if you look watch the guy play, he has all the talent in the world, but he'd rather smoke weed and eat Oreos. There's a reason why his body doesn't look like the way LeBron's body work looks. He could be LeBron, but he's lazy. He doesn't give a fuck. He's he's worried about nonsense bullshit. The guy's never been out of the second round. He scores because he shoots all the fucking time. Sometimes it goes in, sometimes it doesn't. He ran Dan Tony out of town. He ran Lynn out of town. He's ran like three fucking coaches out of town. When are they going to realize that the common denominator here is fucking him? He doesn't. Well, he can actually, play defense. He, he has been to the Western Conference Finals. Yes. And yes. Uh, you know, I know you hate the guy. Fine, you hate him. But the Knicks without him would be so much worse. And that would just give the Raptors a better draft pick. And they'd, Listen, the, the rap, they'd be looking at Ben Simmons right now in the Raptors. But my, I'm fine with that because winning 32 games in the league, is it's, it's worse than being bad. I'd rather us suck for the next three years and but rebuild why, this team. But why suck if you don't have draft picks? You should be getting in the playoffs, you know, the draft picks. 
Yeah, but you're not gonna, this team isn't getting in the playoffs. And if it does get in the playoffs, I actually went to one of the next playoff games against the Pacers where they got fucking slapped around because when you play iso ball against good teams, they go, oh, we're going to take Carmelo out of the game. Good luck, everybody else. And you get fucking J.R. Smith's thug ass fucking tripping people, tying their shit uh, together. J.R. Smith is the worst. I, I couldn't stand him as a Nick. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I would equate Brad's play. Brad's play is like J.R. Smith sometimes. Like, he just gets in his mindset where he's like, he's like, I'm going to shoot, 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 shoot. And occasionally, you know, Brad just go off. I'll be making all these shots in a row. But once that happens, Brad's like, I'm not passing the ball. So I'm just going to keep shooting. Now, obviously, Brad's not as bad as J.R. Smith. J.R. Smith would just, like, shoot the ball no matter what. The, the thing that annoyed me the most about J.R. Smith is, like, there would be a few seconds left in the game or a quarter or something. Obviously, you want to be going to, like, Amari or Carmel Anthony. But, no, J.R. Smith would always bring the ball up, like, from half court. For some reason, he's not the point guard either. Why are you bringing the ball up? And then he was not under any circumstance, passing the ball. You knew he was shooting the ball, and nine times out of ten, because one time when he first was in the neck, he made a game-winning shot. He would miss the shot. And what's ridiculous about J.R. Smith is that this recently he said, I don't like the effort of this team about the Cavaliers. Who is he to speak? Who is he to speak about? Unless he's talking about the effort put in, like, in the nightclubs afterwards. You know, he shouldn't be talking about the team's effort. Yeah, J.R. Smith has no ground to stand on. You know, my problem with J.R. Smith is very similar to my problem with Carmelo. If you look at the guy, he has all the tools. He could be a great player in this league. He could be really similar to, you know, Damian Lillard. The problem is he loves smoking weed. He loves hanging out with Rihanna. He loves all that other bullshit rather than basketball. Because in this league, you know, there's no parity. So if you're not on one of these five good teams, fuck it, might as well smoke a bunch of weed and go to the nightclub because if you do make the playoffs, you ain't going anywhere in it anyway, so fuck it. But it's insane. He's on a team with LeBron. He can go win a championship. He just doesn't want to because he doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, and you know, the main, and just going back to the Knicks, the, the, the Knicks downfall started as soon as Rasheed Wiles retired. They just needed him. He held the locker room together. It didn't, he, he, he was, he, that team was great with better leadership. Him, Candy, Kirk Thomas. That made, yeah. Mel, that made Carmelo have to be the leader. And that Carmelo's not a leader in the locker room. That no, not exactly, at all. That's exactly what he needed. Yeah. Uh, and, and if you look back to the season, to Mel's first season, there, he was very good with the team. Why? Because Chauncey Billups was the leader. He was there. Uh, he, was, he was great. But in the next, you know, they're just retarded. They were like, you know what, Chauncey? Let's get rid of you. We have no point guard. Now let's bring in Tyson Chandler so he can average two points and four rebounds a game and get two blocks. Uh, they didn't like Tyson Chandler at all. And once that happened, they said, you know what? we got to bring back Jared Jeffrey. And Jared Jeffrey <laughs> came back. He was, Jared Jeffrey is best known for, uh, you know, having the ball go off his head and then getting an assist for that. And we're, I'm also, we're going to remember, uh, in the playoffs, he, like, couldn't pick the ball up off the ground, threw it under his legs for a turnover, and the next season was over. That's how that's how I'm going to remember the Jared Jeffrey days. Uh, but Brad, uh, we want to thank you for calling in and uh, talking sure. uh, talking basketball. Uh, the guy in the chat room who said the dude shitting on Jr. is a bitch. Uh, thanks for that. But you know what? I'm not a bitch because I'm just talking the truth. Jr. Smith is awful. Everywhere he's gone, he's lost. So I think I'm justified in shitting my head. Uh, so yeah. Brad. Before you go, real quick, just give us your opinion on J.R. Smith. On J.R. Smith? Well, he's hit more than one game-winning shot. I can attest to that for the Knicks. I will say that. But admittedly, you know, the lack of effort there, shot selection is obviously not there. You know, in my mind, he's sort of a – sort of a poor man's Jamal Crawford. I admittedly like Jamal Crawford. He was much better. I mean, he was just one of those, like, classic Knicks. I mean, again, his shot selection was bad. But oh, yeah, classic Knicks. I love to just shoot the ball and not pass it. Yep, that's definitely classic Knicks. I mean, there's, but 
just Jamal Crawford had a certain aura about him, this schoolyardness that you wanted to be like him. You know, dating back to, you know, he's like a guy that would remind you. He's he's like the poster boy for And One. He should have been that guy. Like he should be the logo on And One everything. Jamal Crawford could bring that back. He was that schoolyard. He was kind of like what everyone wanted to be. I feel like aside from the star players. You know what I'm saying? J.R. Smith. I think at this point in the league, you know, he's. He's a washed-up sixth man. You know, he's not what he used to be. I don't think he's going to, you know, sure, maybe he'll have a 30-point game. Maybe he'll have a couple in a season. But that's just about it. And it's funny that he ends up on a talented team now, much more talented than the Knicks, him and Iman Shumpert. And they, and they nearly come close to winning a championship last year. So good on him. He's going to latch on either with, with Cleveland or uh, another powerhouse that's willing to take him on. But, you know, for the time being, uh, it's just a uh, slow decline. Well, yeah, he... Uh, go ahead, sorry. Uh, just more J. Harrison Smith hate. The guy, what makes it so upsetting is if he wasn't talented, you can kind of wash this all away, but he has all the, like, God-given gifts. He He's very similar as an athlete to, like, our... Um, to Carmarty on the Jets. Like, you just watch this guy work out, or you watch him where he is good, and you're like, oh, my God, he's great. And then he just, oh, oh, this play, uh, I supposed to do something? Oh, yeah, oops. Yep, uh, you know what? I just, uh, I had enough about the Jets. talk. So, Brad, thanks for the call. I spent way <laughs> too much time talking about J.R. Smith. I'll leave it, at, I'll leave it with this. Uh, J.R. Smith. As soon as he's off the Cavaliers, he's done. He's never going to be in the league again. They left he's playing for like a terrible team. Brett, thanks for calling in. Uh, and, Appreciate it. You know, feel free to call in tomorrow's show, or we have a show obviously on a weekly basis. But thanks for the time, everybody. Look out for Brad's articles at MMA. He gave his UFC predictions for the big fight this weekend. Check them out, and uh, of course, check out Brad on Facebook as well. Thanks, Brad. Thank you, guys. Take it easy. Oh, my goodness. All right. Uh, too much time talking about J.R. Smith. Uh, J.R. Smith uh, just was probably my least favorite Nick of all time. Uh, he's just represented everything that was wrong with that team and the collapse where he elbowed Jason Terry against the Celtics for no reason. He was suspended, and then they lost to the Pacers. But the Knicks that year, tell me if you disagree, they should have beat the Pacers and been in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Miami Heat. Oh, absolutely. You know, you got oh, – I hate to keep going back to J.R. Smith, but what really pisses me off is if you're going to have the neck tattoos and you're going to get the flagrant fouls and you're going to be a tough guy, quote-unquote, tough guys are supposed to play defense. That's like what tough guys do. That's what Ron Pest was. He was a tough guy and crazy, but he played defense. J.R. is like, I'm going to be tough, I guess, by – elbowing people away from the ball for no reason, but I'm not going to play any defense or rebound. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> J.R. JR was just like, you know what, I'm going to shoot, 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 and I'm going to shoot some more. I don't expect anything else for, for my game. All I'm going to do is shoot. Uh, but let's, let's shift gears here a little bit. Um, real quick, since we did give our Oscar predictions last week, I'm uh, just going to run through the winners here uh, and see if we agreed with them. So, uh, first, we'll start with – we're just going to do quick, four quick categories here. Uh, best Supporting Actor was Mark Rylance from Bridge of Spies. Never heard of the guy, never heard of the movie. Really didn't expect him to win. Uh, what was your take on that? Yeah, I didn't I didn't know who he was either, but um, you know, I don't know. I guess, I guess it was one of those – you know, no one else. I mean, none of the other supporting actors really uh, stood themselves out. You know, I I was I don't think that was a huge upset. I think it was just one of those like, oh, you're artsy. Here's your artsy oh, award. Cause... So that's just the one should have won, in my opinion. But uh, I can understand why he did it. I just don't know who this Mark Rylance guy is. Uh, Brie Larson won for Room. I think she deservingly won. So uh, deservingly won. Uh, her Room is a great movie. Uh, it's basically just her acting all the time with a little boy, Jacob Tremblay, who's going to be a star in Hollywood. So how do you feel about that? Love her, love her. Um, she's gorgeous, by the way. But it, her, she's a great actress as well. Um, yeah, they're very deserving win. They actually got that one right. 
All right. Uh, then we got Best Supporting Actress, Alicia Vikander, the Danish girl. Never heard of her. Then the movie. Uh, maybe she deserves to win. I have no idea. Any, any opinion on that? Uh, yeah, no idea who she is and or what movie she was in. <laughs> All right. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio won Best Actor for The Revenant. Uh, I don't know how his performance was in The Revenant, but he definitely deserves to win an Academy Award. Uh, what is your take on that? Uh, real happy, real, really happy. The guy definitely deserved the award. Um, you know, I, I and we talked about it last week. I actually saw the Revenant, really liked it. Um, mm-hmm. He's basically like the for a, a long period of that movie, he's the only person on screen. So yeah, if he really carried that movie, I'm just you know I'm upset that the bear that he killed didn't get the best supporting actor. <laughs> yeah, um, that would have been something. Uh, and then uh, best picture. So throughout the whole night. Mad Max Fury Road, which I didn't see, don't have an interest in seeing it, won like every award. So you might be thinking, oh, that's a picture, that's probably going to win. Nope, Spotlight won. And if you go back to our podcast from last week, that was my prediction of who was going to win. Um, what do you think about Spotlight winning the best picture? Uh, uh, I guess I'm a little surprised. I didn't see Spotlight, um, so I don't really know, but... Yeah, I really thought that it would either be um, The Big Short or The Revenant. But I, I guess Spotlight was good. Mm-hmm. And then the Oscars, I was watching this. It was so damn long. What? First of all, it shouldn't have started at 8.30. Too late. It didn't end until like after midnight. Uh, the only thing longer than the Oscars would be, like, Jay Glazer saying, Mike Francesa's junk. I mean, that's the only thing that could possibly have <laughs> been longer than the Oscars. It was too long, uh, too much of too much of that racial stuff from Chris Rock. Uh, Chris Rock, I like the guy, but his opening, I didn't laugh at all. And then throughout the show, he just kept, you know, drilling in like, oh, you know, we need diversity here or whatever. How did you feel about his hosting and the show in general, the length of it and the whole how the Oscars weren't weren't black enough? Um, you know, I like Chris Rock. I'm a big fan, um, and <laughs> don't want to be a dead horse, but. Uh, Sean King, the genius that he is, actually was upset that uh, Chris Rock did uh, didn't I don't know support Black Lives Matters enough. Apparently, so Chris Rock does an entire set, and his only shtick is, "Oh, the Oscars are too white." Ha 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 ha. That's not, but that's not enough. <laughs> yeah, uh, just, just ridiculous. And then, I mean, while we're talking about Sean King, uh, why don't you go ahead and give everybody your manga of the week? Um, I think it has to go to, hands down, that lightweight Rubio, Marco Rubio. That guy is, he's such, oh my God. First of all, he's a puppet, like a complete puppet. He changes his, either, he has two modes. Either A, he repeats himself over and over again, or B, he just fucking completely changes. So in the beginning of the race, oh, I'm not going to spew mud, blah, 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 blah. Then now he's, oh, Donald Trump's a con artist, sweating his ass off. He's, and like, it's insane. It's like the guy's away from reality. So he gets killed so far. He has one state out of 15 primaries. And in his speech, he bashes Ted Cruz for not doing well enough. Like, dude, are you fucking nuts? How about Rick Santorum, the governor of the state you're a senator in, endorses Trump, not you. Trump's beating you head-to-head in your home state. Your bid for president is over. You can stop. Speaking of fucking people talking about this little junk, he makes a reference in a, in, a, um, uh, in a speech about how Trump has small hands, like, and he's saying that Trump has a small dick. Uh, are you fucking nuts? Like, listen, I know that Trump is brash or whatever, but he hasn't called you a small dick Cuban. Like, that's insane. That guy's a fucking manga. <laughs> All right, they have it. J.T. Brown's manga of the week. Once you get him started, you just can't stop. So obviously you know where J.T. stands in the political race right now, especially with the GOP party. <laughs> but moving on here from that tirade, something a little more family-friendly. Uh, this past <laughs> Fuller House hit Netflix. Did you happen to check out any of Fuller House? Um, no, I'm actually boycotting Full House because it's too white. <laughs> All right, well, if you check out the Netflix series, 
It is nothing like the original show. There are many funny jokes and puns there. Uh, there's even Donald Trump references. So, uh, oh, nice. one, of the, one of the things that was very well-crafted written-wise is um, they were like, oh, uh, you know, it's reunion in the first episode. So Stephanie walks in. She's like, where's my little sister? And they're like, oh, you know, Michelle, she, she's, she's busy running her fashion line in New York. So she's like, come here. That's a shot. The Olsen twins. Uh, then later on in the episode, uh, a young girl on the show, she said, oh, I just got my first designer dress. And then her mother, who is uh, Andrea Barber's character, Kimmy Gilbert, she says, yeah, it was a Mary Kate and Olsen, Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen line. And for the price, no wonder why they wouldn't go back to acting. And there's just so many shots at them in the show. Uh, they would break the fourth wall, look at the audience. Now, my biggest uh, complaint would be in the first episode, it's a reunion episode, and all of a sudden Bob Saget's character, Danny Tanner, he's married. He All of a sudden he's like, oh, hey, Mrs. Tanner, let's time to go. He gives her a kiss, and they leave. I'm thinking, are they going to, they got to dress. How does he get married? Or, you know, when does he meet this lady? Whatever. And I'm waiting and waiting and waiting. They, the lady never made another appearance on the show. So why even like, say that he got married? It didn't make any sense to me. Uh, and then, he, and then the, the last episode was a reunion episode again. Uh, Uncle Jesse and Aunt Becky are renewing their wedding vows. So the whole family is there, except all of a sudden their kids aren't there, but their kids were on the first episode. And Bob Saget's not there. Their, their daddy's not there. That just doesn't make any sense. But... Uh, the season, the show has been renewed for a second season. Uh, so I would recommend checking it out, though. There is some good fun moments and good shots at the Olsen twins. Um, but, you know, it wouldn't be a proper show here without us talking a little Mets baseball, spring training, kickoff this week with games yesterday on Tuesday. And tomorrow, the Mets play their first spring training game, and this Friday their first televised spring training game. And I'm very much looking forward to it. Uh, what are your expectations for the Mets this year? My expectations are they better win the World Series. Um, I'm actually going to hedge my bets a little bit. So I'm actually going to Vegas next week with uh, my business partner, Brian. And uh, one of the things I'm excited about doing is I'm going to gamble on the Mets-Yankees spring training game. How cool is that? But uh, – <laughs> As far as the season goes, um, you know, I think the Nationals are going to be much better this year. They've got a new manager. They're healthy. Their roster is very good. The idea that they're going to just fall off a cliff and the Mets have this Division One already is I'm, I'm a little hesitant. You know, I like the lineup. Um, I like our starting pitching. I love our starting pitching. But our bullpen outside of Familia is questionable. And, you know, this lineup is one injury away from being not good, you know, if David Wright gets hurt or when David Wright gets hurt, you know, you rotate people around, and now all of a sudden our lineup, you know, isn't that great. If Duda goes two months without getting a hit, like he does every year, that's a problem. And, you know, I think, I think we're going to miss those 200 hits from Murphy. You know, I know that he was a pain in the ass and, and, and did some crazy base running stuff, and, you know, he would make a blunder in the field every so yeah, often. Yeah, crazy base running stuff. He won us a game against the Dodgers in the NLDS fight going from first to third on a steal because he saw no one was covering third base because they had the ship. So his easy base running won us the game, won us the series. You know, I'm a big Murphy fan, and it's a rule of averages. The guy was very, you know, you got to give him this. He wasn't lazy. He was definitely trying, always trying. But, uh, you know, the Mets are going to miss him. And, and uh, you know, I know that we've replaced him with Neil Walker, and their numbers are very comparable. But the difference is Murphy could play third and first, and he's a left-handed bat that hits 200 hits every single year. You know, you take that out of your lineup. You know, and Murphy's an all-star. Murphy is an all-star. Absolutely. So, you know, what I think Met fans forget is before that Cespedes trade and, you know, all this good stuff happened in the playoff run, and, you know, that's all we really remember. Remember that terrible lineup that we broke camp with last year? Who was the best hitter in that lineup? Daniel Murphy, and he's gone. And, yeah. you know... We're one or two injuries away from John Mayberry Jr. being our fourth hitter. That kind of lineup all over again. You know, that's scary to me. It's very scary. Well, the and thing we, is, if, if, if the Nationals got Cespedes, they were the favorites to win the division because they took the Mets three and four hitter. Uh, but so the Mets really, like, if they didn't 
kind of set for this right now. I would say the Nationals are going to win the division. Uh, and I made the major issue, as you alluded to a, a minute or two ago, is Lucas Duda. He might hit 25 home runs, but he's going to hit he's going to hit them in bunches. He's going to hit like 10 home runs in a, in, in a week or two. He's going to strike out a bunch. He's going to ground into a million double plays. He's not going to play that good of defense. And the problem is, he's supposed to be batting fourth. He's going to be the protection for Cespedes without Murphy there. It's just it's it's not going to be pretty. And hopefully, you know, they do decide that when Duda is sucking like he did throughout the whole playoffs when he got like two hits, that they sit him down and play Flores. Uh, I know they're going to say, you know, Flores isn't exactly our first baseman, but the thing is Flores can definitely hit lefties. He's got power, and I'm pretty sure he can throw the ball from first base to home plate, something that Lucas Duda cannot do in game five of the World Series. Um, you know, this is a real concern, and you know, I know the Mets fans are, are just appeased because we signed Cespedes. I am happy we signed Cespedes too. But you know, you got David Wright playing third base, Mr. Glass. He is always hurt. He's going to miss a month or two months this year. It's just, it's going to happen. The guy is, you know, chronically injured. It's a shame because he's he was one of my favorite baseball players, but he's always injured. You know, we we got lightning in a bottle last year from a lot of different guys. The idea that that's we can just bank on that again is unreasonable. You know, uh, Curtis Granderson is 37 or 38 years old. You know, he played like 100, 140 games last year and was an excellent leadoff hitter. He was really good. He was great. But I don't know if that's going to happen again. You know, and he's one of those guys who who's had a lot of injuries in his career as well. So just say we lose Granderson and Wright, which is very likely, very, very likely, not for a long period, you know, not for the whole season, but for a month. That lineup goes from, wow, this is a pretty good lineup, to, oh, this lineup sucks. Because we well, don't really have any depth. Exactly. And you know what? I, I really wanted the Mets to get Pat Frazier in the offseason, New Jersey guy. And the White Sox got him for basically nothing. The, the Reds are having a fire sale. And Frazier could play third base and first base. I would have, you know, had him play first. said, you know, sorry, Duda, or whatever. Or... He could have had him play third and move right to first base, which I'm, I'm pretty sure Wright is athletic enough to play first base. And you got Frazier there, who is going to hit you 30 home runs no matter what, increase the depth. And also what they should have done, really, that would have just been like, wow. Even though he just got suspended today for 30 games, they could have got Roldis Chapman for nothing. And you could have had Familia and Chapman at the end of the, of the bullpen. That would have been like that. You know, um, Met fans don't want to hear this. They're in very much denial. But at this point in their career, in his career, David Wright is not an everyday player anymore. He's not. He's not good. He's just not. I know that he's you know a career Met and blah 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 well, blah when blah. When he plays, he is good. But he's yeah. But when he's playing, he's always batting three hundred. Yeah. No. No. The guy can still hit. He has the skills. It's his body that is. It, it can't hold up. And, and unlike other sports where you can sort of like duct tape yourself together for that one football game, baseball isn't like that. It's a marathon. It's 162 days. So being good in spurts, there's a place for you. But being every day, we need someone who's going to bat third. You know, we really should have – I'm a big proponent of this. Listen, there's no salary cap. We could have spent as much money as we wanted. We should have signed Murphy, and we should have signed Murphy for this reason. When Wright does get hurt, because he will – you're going to have to play somebody at their base. And if we don't, and we didn't sign anyone, you know, it's going to be fucking Eric Campbell again. And that's what the fuck. It's going it's to be Wilmer Flores, but they should have yeah. signed Murphy for his versatility. And Murphy is very good. Uh, and I've got Neil Walker. He's a, he's a good second baseman. I'd rather have Murphy because, like you said, he's more versatile. You know he's going to hit around 300. And he gives it his all. Walker's defense is not that much better. But what I will say about Neil Walker is when you compare his career numbers and last season numbers to Jason Hayward, who just got paid so much money, Neil Walker's mm. numbers are so much better. So I don't understand yeah. why the Cubs spent all that money on Jason Hayward. Uh, that was a bad, like, a lot of people don't want to say that, but that was a bad signing. Um, the, guy, the guy is basically a flop. Uh, he was projected to be Michael Trout, and he's not. He has a big, big hole in his swing. And, you know, he, he sort of has the Lucas Duda yips where he'll go a month without getting a hit. So, you know, the guy's really talented, but, 
you know, I'm not paying for that. Um, you know, Boomer Flores at third base, that's that's not it because the guy can't play third. He doesn't have the arm. He be- he didn't have the arm to play shortstop last year. In reality, he's a second baseman. Um, I guess you could move Cabrera to third and then play him at short. Well, the, the plan is for Neil Walker to play third base. And then oh. to play second base. But Neil Walker has played like five games at third base. I don't know why they, they think that he's going to be able to play third base easily. Yeah, um, they really should have made a contingency plan. They're banking I don't, a lot I don't know why they, they could have just re-signed Juan Uribe. But yeah, I, I was... Juan Uribe is a great clubhouse guy. He's a great pitch hitter. He plays multiple positions. You know, in a pinch, he can still play shortstop. Um, I like Juan Uribe. They really should have brought him back. Uh, they should have brought him back. But uh, but somebody who they're probably not, is not going to be back with the team and might be released after spring training is one of your favorite, I'm quoting using air quotes right here, Matt, Ruben Tejada. He might be done. How do you feel about that? Um, yeah, sorry. Bye, bye, Ruben. See ya. Um, listen, I know he broke his leg. I feel bad for the kid. I know that the Mets handled him terribly. They force-fed him at the major league level. But here's the thing. He's not a plus defender. He's a average defender, so he's not He's not ready to join you. You can't carry his no bat because uh, because he's a plus defender. He's not. He's just not. He's fat and out of shape. I hate that. Like, listen, if you're not going to Big Poppy could be fat and out of shape because the guy hits fucking 60 extra base hits and 30 home runs every year. If you don't do that, you got to come fucking in shape. So he's in terrible shape. I hate that. We've gone. We've given, given him 500 at-bats five years. The guy can't hit. He's a bum. Well, I just really wonder who will be the backup shortstop now. Cause obviously, it will be Flores, but the Flores is playing you know, second one day or third. There's no backup shortstop, really. They need to have someone else. Maybe they'll have Matt Reynolds, who made his MLB debut in the World Series, be on the roster. I'm okay with that. But he's also not a great defender. Uh, but really, right now, Estrubal Cabrera and whoever they put there is really just a stopgap from Ben Rosario, who's the Mets' you know, top shortstop prospect. He's showing comparisons to not the off-the-field in Hawaii, Jose Reyes, but the on-the-field, Jose Reyes. <laughs> Have you heard about this guy at all? I have, I have. Um, I've been looking into some of the Mets minor league guys. Um, I know Brandon Mimo is hurt, so we're not going to see him for a little while. Um, well, he's, he's, I, he's the from this year because Seth Smith is, is here all year. So, I mean, Mimo's probably, Mimo's going to be the center fielder once Seth Smith is gone. So, um, I actually think that, I think um, their plan for this year is, if and or when, um, you know, either Conforto doesn't hit or uh, Granderson gets hurt, that they were going to bring up, you know, Nimmo, and that Nimmo would sort of be like how Kadir was last year, like, uh, not Kadir, Conforto was last year, like that young, that late call-up to try to, like, Possibly, you know, bridge the gap. They're, they're going to want to play with Garrett, so, first. So, oh. we'll see. I have a I'm feeling da- Granderson's going to get injured. Uh, we'll see what happens from there. Conforto is not going to struggle. He's like, he's the best, like, you know, this might sound crazy. He's like the best Mike Trapp. He's going to be, he's going to be that good. I'm pretty sure of that. If he went from college to the major leagues in one year, and he's hit at every level, I think he's going to be great. He should bat third in front of Seth He's going to be great. He'll be a great protection. Conforto is going to be awesome. I agree. The guy has a beautiful swing. It's like, it's ah, magic. You know, you brought up Ligaris. Ligaris is in the same boat as Ruben Tejada. Listen, I know the guy was a great defender a couple years ago. A, he's gotten fat, and he wasn't the same defender last year. B, he has a rag arm, and he needs Tommy Johns that he didn't get. And C, he can't hit. Like, oh, he hits lefties pretty good. But he's not he, he hits very well in the World Series. But I will, we had to have Kelly Johnson be the DH. What a freaking waste that was. Ugh. Is he still on this team? Oh, thank God. No, no he's back with the Braves. He, he signs with the Braves every single year. I mean, <laughs> they, 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 the Braves are smart, though, because they say, wow, everybody wants Kelly Johnson. Let's just sign him for a few months and trade him. They must, I would say, like, maybe 10 guys on their 40-man roster have been acquired in trade <laughs> for Kelly Johnson. It's crazy. <sighs> it's like, forget about money ball. It's Kelly ball. It's definitely, it might work out for them. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's a brave stuff. Pretty nuts. 
But Ligaris, on the other hand, I have no problem with him being on the roster. He's a great defender, uh, as, as opposed to, like, you know, other guys in the background, uh, other backup outfielders. He's definitely a plus defender. My thing here is Alejandro Diazza is a big waste, and let's trade him. I would trade him to the Brewers for Kirk Newman-Heist, or I would trade him to the Toronto <laughs> Blue Jays for Derek because those guys – are much better defenders. They both can play a very good center field, and they're good pinch hitters. Alejandro Diaz, he doesn't want to be a mess. He's not happy. He thinks he should be starting, and he really can't hit. How do you feel about Alejandro Diaz? Um, hate it, hate, hate, hate it. You know, why are you going out and getting someone who batted in the 240s last year? Like, it's another one of those Sandy Alderson thinking he's smarter than everybody in the room. And I get it. He's had some success. This is a swing and miss. This guy sucks. It's not like, oh, he showed some sparks, but he never got a chance. He's gotten a chance. He sucks. Well, the thing about Sandy is, like, the team's pretty good now, but he has locked into so much. Like, last year, just look at last year. Look at the roster he put together to start the year. He locked into the fact that uh, the pitcher's set was so good, it kept him in it. He was lucky that the Nationals had a terrible manager, Matt Williams, and they were sucking. And that he was really, really lucky that Carlos Gomez had his terrible hits were found by the Mets' terrible medical staff to say not do this trade. And he was very lucky that the Padres didn't accept the offer that the Mets offered them for uh, Justin Upton. So he had no choice but to get Cespedes. Then Cespedes goes on fire and saying, gets him to the World Series. He doesn't, is not interested to re-signing the guy. He's like, I'm going to sign Alejandro Diaz. Chris Young didn't work out. John Mayberry Jr. didn't work out. But Alejandro Diaz, who played one game in center field last year, he can definitely be our center fielder. Gets the guy. He overpays him $6 million, $7 million, whatever. But then Cespedes is like, I'm ready to come back, get this deal done. So Sandy's just a very lucky guy, in my opinion. Yeah, if you actually look at this roster, you can't really tie any of these guys to Sandy. You know, you got Matt Harvey. He's, Omar, he's a, a team. That's what it is. Absolutely. You know, um, the Sandy draft guys, I guess Conforto would be one of them. Um, yep. yep. Uh, he, I also drafted... Let's not forget his first draft pick to get to the major league, Danny Muno. What a star he was last year with the Mets. I actually heard that he's um, the senator down in Florida now. <laughs> no way. <laughs> so, yeah, Danny Muno, uh, he, uh, he, he, let's not forget, he was the DH for the Mets versus the Yankees in the Subway Series last year. And he, he must have, you know, he, had, he got so many frequent flyer miles last year, flying from Vegas to New York on, like, a daily basis that he must have been able to go wherever he wanted in the vacation season because they were just calling him up every single day and sending him back down the next day. And he was just a place, you know, he's like a, he's like a second baseman. He'd call him up like, hey, Danny, go play shortstop tonight. Go play like third base. He couldn't, I mean, hopefully, you know, the guy could turn his career around, but he couldn't hit at all. They got him being called up. Kevin Pawlucki was supposed to be this huge offensive catcher. He couldn't hit. Yeah, he's a very good defender, but he's supposed to, he's another Sandy pick. So that, that's his two picks. Him, his, his first three picks were Nemo, or Nemo, Pawlucki, and Danny Muno. And Danny Muno was the first guy to get to the majors. So that just tells you really all you need to know about Sandy Olsen and drafting. Yeah, I, I don't want to throw water on, on the Mets fan base right now, but, you know, last year we had like four or five guys who literally lightning in a bottle, meaning they had career years. You know, if you think Familia is going to be able to do what he did last year, you're out of your mind. The guy was phenomenal, and you, you saw that it wore on him, and he fucking ran out of gas in, in the playoffs. Like, you just can't lean on a guy like that again. This bullpen is a problem, you know. And the starting pitching, the starting pitching was phenomenal. You had like three guys with ERAs under three. The chances right. of that happening again are unlikely. You had Bartolo Colon win 10 games before the All-Star break. He's literally 40-something years old and like I, 350 pounds. The thing about Bartolo, I think, I mean, you might think this is going to sound crazy, but 
at the time when Zach Wheeler is ready to come back, Bartolo Colon will absolutely lead the Mets in innings pitch and wins. That's absolutely. That's what he does. It's going to be hard to take him out of the starting rotation, but I firmly believe that when he, if he goes to the bullpen, within like a week or two, he's going to be the eighth inning guy. I have no problem with that because if you look at the playoffs out of the bullpen, he was almost unhittable, and it's so crazy to think that. So I'm very happy with Bartolo being back. Very glad he took a discount when he had the other come back. Uh, how do you feel about I- Bartolo being back? I uh, completely agree. Completely agree. This is what Bartolo Colon is, and and this is why I love him. He's consistent. You get the same thing from him, and I love that. The guy is not afraid to throw. He's not trying to strike everybody out. He's just trying to throw eight innings. I'm going to give you a guess on what Bartolo Colon's numbers are going to be at the end of the year. He's going to have 12 wins with eight losses and a 3.85 ERA because that's what he does every year. And if the Mets hit a little bit, he'll have like 15 or 16 wins. It's insane that he just does it every year. He's like a machine. And and because and, he throws so many strikes. Have, and he's going to have some saves this year. He's in the bullpen now. I think I'll have a few saves. You know, that, our bullpen is a problem. And I was sort of hoping that Mejia would, would come back and, and contribute. Oh, but apparently, what an idiot. Apparently not. He's so dumb. I would have, I would have brought back Clifford because no, there was no markets for him for a while. He had some struggles near the end, but he was very good for most of the season. Uh, I yeah. think that uh, I think we will hopefully, uh, you know, send him out to be forced into doing this by the fans. We'll make a trade around the deadline for some some sort of reliever, and uh, that's the only weakness right now is the bullpen. Uh, but. It's been a great show. Uh, we want to thank everybody for listening live, or if you're listening to the podcast, thanks for that as well. And tomorrow night, or whenever you're watching this, so Thursday night, we have a major show lined up for you. We'll be having some WSAN and sports radio and Mongo talk. We're going to have Mike in New Haven on the show. You might have seen his YouTube videos where he calls up uh, the producers at WSAN, talks to them. Then he talks to Joe and Evan, or he talks to none other than Mike Francesa. He's uh, the youngest Mongo, 16 years old, and we're definitely looking forward to that. It's going to be an awesome show. That show is going to start around 8 p.m. tomorrow. Once again, check out our website. It's knickknacknews at or knickknacknews.wordpress.com. Uh, follow JT Brown on Twitter at SI underscore sports, and follow me on Twitter at Nick underscore Durst. And we want to thank you all once again for listening to the show. Uh, thanks, John, for being on tonight. Hey, no problem. See you tomorrow. And, and we will talk to you all tomorrow. And that is episode two of Knickknack News Radio. And as Howie Rose would like to say, put it in the books. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.